Comrades, this is uh, WHIV LP New Orleans 102.3. Good morning, comrade. You can also get us uh, on our twitch.tv slash good morning, comrade radio. Jeff on the show. We have a very special guest, returning champion. It's what your fourth or fifth time on here. Um, yeah. The one and only Ben Burgess. Uh, ben, what's going on? You're uh, now at Morehouse College uh, in Georgia. Yep. Uh- this is on a very short list of things that me and Martin Luther King have in common, but we've taught, both taught a <laughs> philosophy class at Morehouse College. That's definitely going on the resume, right? <laughs> uh, what, what, what is that? What's the beer? Uh, oh, I, I got Shinerbach. Uh, it's a classic Texas beer. I mean, you're, you're, uh, your wife's from Texas, right? Uh, she is, yeah. She she grew up in like a suburban Dallas, and then like when she was starting high school, her parents moved down to like way down in like the tip of south texas where they still live now but she also like lived in houston for a while in her 20s so you know she's she's been around the state yeah my aunt used to live in houston i think she still currently lives in houston but uh for a while uh she and her husband at the time he's passed now but uh they had a they had a uh ranch i guess you i guess in shiner texas where that beer is brewed yeah. Uh, which is like a like two thousand person town. It's like you know, like one of those one of those towns. And you ever hear those stories about like somebody the like the the kind of like old crazy guy who's got like a, a a barn full of like old cars that are worth like so much money. Mm-hmm. This dude had like Model Ts, Model As, all kinds of crazy stuff in his barn. <laughs> like all these old like Ford and Chevy trucks, which is kind of which is. Like, like, what happened to those trucks? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, this is like the least original thing ever. Everybody always says this, but uh, I got to go to conference in, in Cuba like nine years ago. And that's like the thing that like immediately hits every American, oh, whoever, yeah. whoever goes to that place. It's like just this like constant parade of classic, like classic American cars, you know, like everywhere. Best mechanics in the world live in Cuba, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 no, exactly. They should, they should supplement the the program where they send doctors around with mechanics. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, I mean, like, well, the problem now, I guess, with that is that like cars are just not built to be repaired in any way yeah. any longer. Yeah. Like, like, uh, it's just that cars are just like, uh, I mean, you've you've seen and you've heard about the like especially uh, farm equipment like tractors and things that have like locks on on replacements yes. that are like have like a like a horn like a, like a horn or something if you if you replace the parts with something that's not proprietary <laughs> it's wild anyway you didn't come here to talk about any of this stuff no, no, no. you came to talk a little bit about uh this brand new book uh, that you have out um so the book is called Christopher Hitchens what he got right what uh, how he went wrong and why he still matters. So I guess for the benefit of our audience, can you just give us a, a broad sort of uh, uh, introduction to uh, who is Christopher Hitchens? Why is he important? Uh, why, you know, what, what inspired you to even, you know, mm-hmm. your attention to that you wanted to write a book about it? Because, I mean, go ahead. Yeah. 
so um all right so christopher hitchens is this uh british left-wing journalist who uh starting in the early 80s lived in the united states uh and he he wrote for for many years uh for the nation magazine for like about 20 years he was uh he was a columnist for uh the nation and uh he also and like also you know other places but that was like kind of the main you know the main thing for a long time he like at home <laughs> yeah yeah exactly uh so uh you know I mean the same the same way I always think of you know that's like Jacobin as my home as a writer you know although Christopher Hitchens' home certainly paid a hell of a lot better I'm sure than that did. But, <laughs> you hear that? You hear that, Boscar? <laughs> but, um, but yeah, uh, and he's somebody who, for most of his life, I think the thing that probably occupied the biggest chunk of his attention at least in so far as writing about politics. Uh, a lot of people who are familiar with his political writing aren't really aware. He also had, in a way, kind of this whole other career almost as like a literary critic, you know, like, you know, but um, but insofar as he's writing about politics, I think the thing that probably took up most of his time, uh, the biggest part of his time, at least, was foreign policy. And particularly, you know, he was really concerned with things like, you know, in the 80s, uh, kind of U.S. backed, um, you know, dictatorships and death squads in Central America, um, and um, you know Henry Kissinger, like he was obsessed with Henry Kissinger, and you know, and how much he hated him. Uh, and which is a which is a correct person to hate, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're, I mean, this is this is that if is that, picking, if, you're, if you're picking the list of people that are like. Like super villains that are in the like Hall of Injustice with like Lex Luthor, like Henry Kissinger's right up there. Yeah, no question, no question. That is a very correct person to uh, to hate. Uh, and uh, and and Hitchens was a big hater, you know. So in the uh, in the nineties, uh, where even though in a, in a way that was kind of a transitional period in terms of his politics, ways we could talk about, but like uh, probably the work he was best known for in the nineties was this sort of you know, informal trilogy of books about um, about three of the uh, the objects that hate, right? So, uh, <laughs> uh, Henry Kissinger, Bill Clinton, and uh, then the one that doesn't sound like it's going to fit, which is Mother Teresa. Uh, <laughs> you think like, oh my God, who would hate Mother Teresa, right? Because like, you know, all right, Kissinger, like I think, you know, even like, I'm sure even if you're some like hardened, like, you know, dead-eyed, like, Washington, D.C. creature who doesn't hate Henry Kissinger, like, you at least, like, kind of get that he's, like, a figure that would inspire a lot of hatred, right? Like, that's probably not mysterious to you. Right, but, you can but, understand why somebody like that would have haters, even if they're <laughs> wrong. Like, if, you're, if, you, if you don't have any sense of morality, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, you can see why the things that Henry Kissinger did over his... Like, like <laughs> you know, bombing Laos is pretty provocative. <laughs> <laughs> For example, like yeah. as for one example, yeah, yeah, definitely, and like you know, in the, um, you know, in uh, the the bombing of Cambodia, you know, during the Vietnam War, yeah. which um, was uh, and you know, invasion, you know, that like, which I mean, Americans often refer to as like the secret 
you know, Bobby of Cambodia. I don't think it was very secret for Cambodians, you know, but uh, I noticed. Yeah, yeah. Also, wasn't particularly secret to people in the American military, right? But like, uh, you know, what that mostly meant was that it wasn't discussed with you know with Americans uh, at home. Uh, but uh, but that was like Henry Kissinger is the uh, you know Secretary of Defense of State and also the uh, the head of the uh, National Security Council. Uh, you know, had both hats was actually like personally overseeing, you know, like the, the, the bombing list, you know, like famously Nixon told Kissinger and Kissinger told them, uh, anything that flies and anything that moves. Um, so, uh, yeah, really brutal, uh, war crimes. And like another thing that, you know, Hitchens gets into in the Kissinger book is, um, is Kissinger's uh, involvement in overthrowing Salvador Allende in in Chile, uh, which, on the off chance that you know anybody who listens Good Morning, you know Good Morning Comrade, isn't familiar with that, I suspect most people are. But like you know, just real quick, right? The real nine eleven. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. September eleventh, nineteen seventy three, uh, and. Uh, yeah, with much with much worse consequence, uh, you know, in some ways, right? I mean, like you know, the, uh, um, but but yeah, the uh, and like to the point that like since you know there was this democratically elected um, you know democratic socialist president Salvador Allende about whom Kissinger notoriously said that I don't see why Chile should be allowed to go communist simply because its voters are irresponsible. Uh, he, uh, you know, like, and in the sort of effort to to get rid of this guy, uh, which he was very intimately personally involved in, like some of the stuff that Hitchens gets into in the Kissinger book, or like, um, there was like all this elaborate plotting to take out, you know, I guess they never exactly said kill the documents, but like, you know, I don't know where they were going to keep him, right? You know, the uh, this uh, Chilean general who who wasn't even a leftist, but it was just like somebody that they knew like wouldn't go along, you know, with, with, right. with, you know, with deposing the elected president. Uh, so it's, it, it's really, it's really brutal stuff. So like Kissinger makes sense. Uh, Clinton, you know, I think at the time that was probably a little bit more eccentric to like hate Clinton as much as uh, Hitchens did for the left. He uh, was right though. I mean, he was a hundred. No, totally right. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. No, absolutely. You know, and that's, and that's a book that, uh, no one left to lie to is the name of the Clinton book, and um, and that like really gets into like like the the Dickensian horrors of like welfare reform in the nineties. You know yeah. what that actually meant in practice, uh, and um, and and you know he actually has got like a a good passage in there where you know where he's talking about how you know, when uh, Hillary Clinton uh, was, was overseeing, you know, healthcare reform and, you know, in uh, 1993, uh, you know, when it was famous, you know, famously didn't, didn't go through, right. You know, like people tend to be a little hazy about how they remember exactly what was being suggested there. And uh, Hitchens has a good line about how like, you know, she just uh, completely dismissed any thought of single payer, you know, that they had, uh, you know, like the physicians for a national health plan, in the White House, and there's like here, you know, all the stuff would do, like you know, look at how it holds, and you know, and and she she told the guy, yeah, tell me something interesting, and uh, and her, um, and like her plan, which was basically Obamacare 1.0. Uh, Hitchens has a good line about how it you know combines you know the worst of bureaucracy you know with the worst of free enterprise, which is you know very yeah. very you know very correct. Uh, so. <laughs> 
just to put yeah. like a point on that, yeah. really, like that's yeah. one of the things where you're going into the insurance company. You're saying like y'all might need to ha- make a haircut, but we're gonna make it as like easy as we can for you. We're gonna try and yeah. cut it essentially here and yeah. then she would frame that in her political career and she did this for decades after uh, you know even to run for president that she stood up to yes. the insurance companies and she stood up to these like you know these you know big bad monsters but that she was able to fight them as though like she she as though she was actually doing that which obviously wasn't the case she was like trying to say okay look we need to like reel in what you're doing a little bit because you're you know jumping into Scrooge McDuck bins of money and swimming in it is okay. just like bad luck you know <laughs> Yeah, totally. And, and and honestly, I think the biggest insurance companies were were on board, you know, mm-hmm. at the at the time. I mean, there there were like famous like ads that ran denouncing it or whatever, but I think that was like the smaller ones who thought they wouldn't be able to, you know, afford it as well, who were mostly opposed to it, which was actually pretty much the pattern uh when when Obamacare came about also yeah, uh 20 that, years later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, exactly, right? You know, that like the really giant insurance companies were were like pretty much in the room when it was being designed. Uh, so, so yeah. So, okay. Like Kissinger, everybody can kind of see that one. Clinton, if you're a leftist in 2022, I think, you know, you'll pretty much recognize, Oh yeah, he was totally right about that. Like if you're writing for the nation in the nineties, like it was unusual to be that harsh about, you know, the Clintons, but, um, but you know, Mother Teresa is is the one where like her name is almost synonymous with like saintly self sacrifice, right? Like that's how people still use it uh, now, and and it's a really interesting book because you know if people know one th- like anybody who's like watching listening to this who um who knows like one thing about Christopher Hitchens, right? The one thing that they probably know is his like prominence as an atheist in the late 2000s like that's that's the you know if you have like one data point that's going to be it right if if you have two it'll be that and uh the bad foreign policy positions from the same era we'll certainly get into that but like uh but if you have one that's going to be it and so given that you would think uh that you know you would think that like all right, he wrote a book about Mother Teresa. It's going to be this like super atheisty, like kind of anti-religious book. It's actually kind of surprising the extent to which it's not. That like he goes after her a little bit about her support for what he calls the fundamentalist faction within the Vatican and thing on issues like, you know, contraception and ordaining women. But like that's the critique that like a, a liberal Catholic would make, right? Like and, and he yeah, no, that is a literal like 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 uh, I grew up. I grew up like laps. I grew up laps. Yeah. <laughs> That's like the that is the position. That is exactly that position. <laughs> yeah, totally right. And um, and he and you know, there's like one passage where he kind of like makes fun of this um, British journalist uh, Malcolm Muggeridge for like being super credulous about this this miracle that he thought he witnessed in you know Mother Teresa's uh, hospice in Calcutta. That um, that he said that Mugridge said that the like they took these photos and you know and it was and it was like bathed in this mysterious divine light you know even though the lighting conditions were bad in there and and um, you know there's this very funny you know passage where he you know basically like you know he actually talks to the photographer you know who took the photos it's like yeah I mean there's the like 
you know, sure, they've, they came out better than we thought they would. But I mean, like, that's like, you know, that's like this, this new film stock we got. I mean, that that's goes to the greater glory of Kodak. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but like, that's kind of it, right? You know, for, for the like actual religious component of the book, like really his, his complaint about Mother Teresa is that she's hanging out with and kind of lending her aura of moral you know, credibility to um to like the Devalier dictatorship in Haiti, uh that uh that that she's on like really shummy terms with you know with people like Charles Keating, that you know that that she uh that she has uh you know that she's like raising all of this money which like people think even though she never exactly says it right but people assume is like actually going to like materially helping you know desperate people in calcutta that is actually you know seems to be mostly spent on uh on like religious missionary work and in fact like at those hospices uh that is not really where you want to end up if you have the alternative of a real hospital because she she seems to have had these like views that like uh you know suffering was good for the soul and you know and it's 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 you know the details are pretty grim twisted stuff yeah yeah um so like those are the you know those are the kind of books which by the way sounds dare i say protestant <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it totally does actually that's that's very true um yeah which uh yeah yeah no that's that's funny actually that's i like <laughs> that but so yeah that's the stuff that he was writing in the 90s and then the big like you know, from our perspective, you know, the big heel turn we usually think of as coming with his reaction to 9-11, although one of the stories I'm trying to tell in the book is that I, I think, like, what exactly happened there was a little bit, you know, more complicated but started earlier. And, and I really wanted to get into that, right? You know, but, like... I, Let, I, let's get into that. Let me just pause uh, Oh. You're listening to WHIV LP New Orleans 102.3. is good morning, comrade. Uh, we have Ben Burgess on the show. We are talking about his book, Christopher Hitchens, what he got right, how he went wrong, and why he still matters. Uh, he just mentioned, uh, so uh, I like how you portrayed that too as a heel turn. Are you a wrestling fan? Because I sure am. <laughs> um, but, but essentially, there was a sort of a, um, what is at oh. least portrayed oh. as a change in how. Um, Hitchens tended to view things, I guess you could say, or there was a definitely like a noticeable change in trajectory for him. Can you talk a little bit about that? You were you're about to get into that. Yeah. So this is, I mean, in a way, this gets back to the first thing you asked me, right? Like, kind of why this is something I was interested in, and and, and why I want to write about him. And to my mind, there are basically three reasons, right? So one, I think, um, you know, I I was you know. I used to watch more wrestling, like in uh, it's been a very long time, but I did watch a lot of it, like as a kid. But the uh, um, was uh, you know watched... when you come down, we should watch some AEW or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, I used to. Um, yeah, uh, Saturday mornings were at the uh, piano teacher's house while my while my sister was having her lesson before I had mine. I used to watch uh, WWE back when it was called WWF. So... <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, anyway, anyway that yeah, yeah yeah so like so one 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 reason is before that heel turn i think that um he produced like a lot like this big body of work that 
I think is 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 good work that I think deserves to be recovered and people should know about and and people get something out of engaging with. And I kind of wanted to introduce an audience of you know young socialists who if they know who this guy is at all, it's like only the late 2000s incarnation, wanted to kind of, you know, kind of rehabilitate some of that earlier work. So that's what, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But, um, but then another is that I wanted to, to figure out exactly how he took from my perspective, such a like disastrous and indefensible wrong turn. In those foreign policy positions. So, like, so can you talk about a little bit what the foreign policy positions were? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, um, so after, um, you know, after nine eleven, like not very long after, uh, some of his like very earliest stuff after it is a little bit more ambiguous, but like not not very long after, he kind of decided that. Um, that this this was I mean he, he you know in, in one of the the you know cringiest comments right like he's, he says that this is like a this this you know this moment where like everything he loves you know like uh, secularism and and uh, and like a you know kind of um, you know the empowerment of women and like a you know sort of open society all that stuff uh, was coming into conflict with with everything that he hated. Uh, which, you know, the sort of, you know, repressive, religious, you know, et cetera, et cetera, stuff that was represented, you know, by, by Al Qaeda and the, uh, the Taliban. And, um, and so he, he became a strong supporter of these post nine 11 wars in the, uh, the middle East. Uh, so, you know, the invasion of, of Afghanistan, uh, the, uh, the invasion of Iraq, uh, and, and he never, uh, you know, he died in 2011, and and he never he never really let go of that right like 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 he never really acknowledged like i was horribly wrong you know that this stuff was a disaster as anybody should have been able to predict at the uh, at, at at the time right he referred to this stuff as like you know the liberation of afghanistan you know the liberation of iraq so so that's the kind of starting point if you think about that wrong turn and i think a lot of people who like on the left who are somewhat familiar with his earlier work and then kind of know about that um, sort of assume that this is just this like kind of turn on a dime, like kind of immediate reversal, right? Mm-hmm. That like, you know, one day he's like a good anti-imperialist and then like the next day he's like advocated the invasion of Iraq and it's like, what the hell happened? Like, like an extreme version of this, like, like an actual heel turn in wrestling. Like, like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like throwing like American leftists through a barbershop window. Kind of <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's on there with the chair, you know, that's the, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So he, um, so like there's a, like Tariq, uh, Tariq Ali, uh, who, who was a, um, uh, a friend of, uh, uh, who was a friend of Hitchens at one point, uh, and um, gets a uh, you know gets a positive shout out in Hitchens's memoir, uh, Hitch Twenty Two, where he's explaining why he likes the Stones better than the Beatles, and he says uh, you know and he mentions uh, you know the the sort of comparison of of you know Revolution Number Nine with uh, 
uh, street fighting man, which, which, which he says, you know, uh, they, uh, Jagger uh, wrote about, you know, my friend Tariq Ali, you know, as the, as the inspiration. So, um, so, so Tariq Ali has this book called Bush and Babylon, you know, which is, which is his book about the, the Iraq war where he's got this appendix where he, he says, uh, he describes, um, how his friend Christopher Hitchens, uh, tragically died on nine 11 and, uh, was replaced with this hideous neoconservative replicant. And like, that's, the, <laughs> you know, so that's kind of the, the image. I think a lot of people on the left who are more familiar with like earlier Hitchens, half of what happened there. And, and so I think you get a lot of people sort of explaining, explaining it in ways that never really made that much sense to me, you know, that like, even though I, I mean, like I shared their disgust with like where he ended up, like their explanations of how he got there never really, never really resonated with me. You know, it didn't sound right. Like they, they'd say like, oh, you know, this is like just purely an opportunist thing. You know, is he, he just like, you know, he just took the money basically. Right. Or, or else, um, uh, or else, you know, there, there are people who, you know, like, there are people who sort of do this weird thing where they, they try to blame the drinking, you know, that there's like this, like that's like somehow like this is like a side effect of like, uh, you know, li- you know, liver disease or something that it like makes you, you know, makes you support imperialist wars, you know, which, uh, you know, like, this physical, this physical, uh, this physical condition has a psychological or something manifestation or whatever, completely ridiculous. Yeah, no, it is completely ridiculous. Like, especially because look, um you know as somebody who you know as somebody who who does you know drink a fair amount and um and and i'll I'll admit that like in the the late 2000s you know when i had very ambivalent feelings about christopher hitchens that was always something that i enjoyed about him you know that the uh he'd, he'd have the uh you know, like he'd go out onto like the Bill Maher show or whatever, and he'd just like have this like glass of scotch that you know, yeah. he'd just like a, he'd just like bring out with him, you know, which is like everybody else who's a guest on a talk show just like discreetly like you know pour some booze into their coffee cup or something, you know, it's just like sitting there with the glass, you know, it's part of, it's part of, it's part of the optics here. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Like I, I remember back in like was it like 2010 or something, my friend Mark. Um, for Halloween, he dressed as a vampire Christopher Hitchens. So it was like a, <laughs> you know, a sports jacket and, uh, and like a glass of whiskey and some vampire fangs, you know, but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, but like, don't get me wrong. I, I do think like, you know, like clearly he drank more than he should have. And, 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 and it, it does seem to have been a factor in, you know, in, in his, his early death, you know, because, yeah. uh, you know, the, the esophageal cancer, but, um, I think if you watch any of those debates, like there are a million of these on YouTube, right? These debates that he's in the last few years of his life, you know, no matter how much you agree or disagree with anything that he's saying, I don't think you could deny that he was like extremely sharp to the bitter end. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so I, I don't, I don't think that it's just like, you know, the, you know, he he drank too much Johnny Walker Black in an eighties brain or whatever. You know, like like, like I, I think there's something else going on here, and and I'm also not. Um, I also think the way that he that he changes politics, I think, doesn't really track the sort of oh he just took the money kind of explanation because, um, like there's an essay by Norman Finkelstein where he like has like 
you know, it's basically the, oh, he just took the money, you know, explanation of Christopher Hitchens. But he's he's doing it sort of in the context of talking about this sort of broader category of, you know, left apostates. And you read that thing and it's like, well, what he's describing doesn't actually fit very well with uh, with Hitchens uh, because he's talking about people who like denounce all of their previous beliefs and, you know, association and say, oh, I was so wrong about everything, whatever. That's kind of the opposite. He never wrote a why I left the left like Dave Rubin or something. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Right. I mean, like, like, uh, like he died in 2011. Uh, and so like Hitch 22, that memoir, which was published in 2010, you know, so like nine years after 9-11, you know, he's like extremely nostalgic, about his, his, um, you know, about his experiences as like a young Trotskyist in, in, in uh, you know, the UK. Uh, he, he, you know, he he really like defends a lot of the positions that he'd always taken, and like honestly, he's like pretty thought like he doesn't reflect on it that much, mm-hmm. right? Like, like you know, but like and to the extent, and when I say reflects on, I should say right that there's a passage where I say that in the book that like you know there's you know one reviewer who like really jumped on and be like oh but you know there are these other ten things that he said about it. it's like yeah. What I mean is, like, he doesn't say very much in terms of sort of directly explaining, right? You know, his his, right. his shifts on some of this stuff, but um, but what he does is actually like reads is pretty thoughtful to me, like 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 somebody who's like, you know, in a way where, you know, if anything, I mean, his rhetorical strategy later in life was always to emphasize the continuities between the things he used to believe and the things that he believed now. And, and, and he's, and he's, I, I think it, it reads to me like sort of good faith grappling with like, okay, what did I think then? And, um, and why is it that this stops seeming, you know, right to me? Mm-hmm. And, um, and especially like, it's also kind of weird. Cause it's like, I don't know. I mean, if you were just going to do the Dave Rubin thing in the two thousands, like, how would you do it? Right. I mean, well, what was the, if you really wanted to be like, totally embraced by the american right as it existed in the 2000s i mean like if you remember the 2000s uh being an outspoken militant atheist was not the way into the hearts of conservatives in the 2000s (laughs) (laughs) so i I don't think that's it right i think something else is going on so uh and, and i should also say right like like one of the not as ridiculous as the explanations we've been talking about but like one of the other explanations people give is Oh, it was actually because of the atheism that like made him like really Islamophobic and that's what did it. And like unlike the other ones, I I think there's probably some truth there. Like I think there are some things you could say in fleshing that out that aren't totally wrong. Uh I certainly think that he tended to um essentialize Islam by, you know, meaning like he tended to um be too sort of broad about lumping together you know different kinds of you know as, of islamic beliefs to be fair he definitely did the same thing when he talked about christianity right yeah. you know but like he uh, but yeah. he did unlike sam harris for example who will basically like do the like islam is bad and christianity is good but i'm an atheist i'm <laughs> <laughs> Which like like it is something that like 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 pings in my brain when 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 the atheism question comes up or like what when when they have that kind of association and then like the Islamophobia you know yeah. 
thing or whatever. Yeah. And like you can at least say that that uh Hitchens compared to people like you know, like like um like Sam Harris yeah. are at least um are at least equal in their disdain for religion. Yeah, <laughs> as, yeah. As, as opposed to the like like laser like concentration on Islam by somebody like Sam Harris. Yeah, I think that's totally right. In fact, I think that like I think in a way, like if you read Hitchens's atheist book, uh, God is not great. And it's not uh, to excuse anything, by the no, way. No, no, no totally, anything. totally, that's right? But I distinction here. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I think you could agree that his his, his actual positions and some of the stuff were awful. But like, just think, like, you know, just just be analytic about it. Like, is that it? Well, no, I don't think it is because, um, if anything, like if you read that book, honestly, I think he's. I think he's more focused on Christianity, right? I mean, like that's that's really because that's what he spent like most of his life thinking about, right? You know, that like that's uh that's like the the sort of immediate thing. Like that's I mean, you know, in fact he has this kind of funny line in a couple places about how um he um you know, he sort of thinks of you know himself as a Protestant atheist, you know, because like there's the uh, like the Church of England is like that's what he originally you know he he started out disbelieving in that, right? You know, they, uh, I can deal with the atheist part, but not the Protestant. Part. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is funny because because so uh, Christopher Hitchens, I should say, for anybody who's not familiar with this fact about him, has a brother who's still alive, Peter Hitchens, uh, and it, in some ways, it's like you know, bizarre and hilarious. These guys are brothers, right? You know, that they, cause, cause, uh, Peter Hitchens is, uh, extremely religious, you know, just to begin with. Right. You know, and, um, and, uh, there's a, there's a line in, in history too, where he, he says, um, that, you know, I could imagine, uh, he, he says the Protestant atheist thing again, and he says, I could imagine Peter as a, uh, as an atheist, but not as a Catholic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. You know, <laughs> So, so just to kind of like get yeah, into yeah. land just a little bit in this, yeah, so yeah. I cannot help myself sometimes. Sure, sure. But like, like so, considering the fact that his brother was religious, uh, could that be like a justification or a reasoning at least behind why he might dig his heels in on the atheism thing because he wants to like because like he's got a spat with his brother on this specific thing and he just makes that public. Like, I don't know if you have any siblings or anything. <laughs> like, I could definitely see like like. <laughs> who's, a host on, who's one of the hosts on this show like me and him just like, like <laughs> that kind of stuff you know what i mean totally yeah 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 i have a um yeah i actually have an older older sister and a younger brother uh and um uh you know happily i don't i don't really have any feuds with either of them but uh but i can i can sort of imagine right that if like if I did, right, that would probably be the most intense, like, thing, you know, of my life. Because like, nothing, <laughs> nothing that's more intense in the world that never ever abates is that uh, than like sibling rivalry. It's just always <laughs> present in everything. Yeah, and and, and so yeah, there, there might be something there uh, psychologically. Uh, to, actually, yeah, not to get too. No, to get no, 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 sure, sure, but like, but like, I I can imagine that like you know, I'm not being the reason, but like adding a little yeah. extra intensity to it. You know, that the uh, um, there's a uh, like I I actually interviewed uh, Peter, and he told me that um, he thought that like the militant atheism was was the most consistent position that Christopher had held throughout his life. He has to he said probably from about the age of eleven. So. <laughs> Wow, but, uh, but I don't know. I don't know if that's correct or not. But the the uh, 
you know, this the story he tells, uh, the story that Christopher tells in in um, God is not great. A couple of the places I think is that he had, you know, he was at like whatever. I guess this was probably boarding school already. He had, uh, um, you know, that's there's a, uh, you know, his his family was kind of like upwardly mobile middle class his dad you know his dad was a naval officer and and he um he claims to have like as as like a really little kid to have like overheard this this argument between his parents about whether they could afford to send him to boarding school and uh and, and his mother saying you know if, if this country is going to have a ruling class i want christopher to be part of it so uh, but, <laughs> um, but, I mean, like, like, like you know that that is not like like their parents are not the only like people in that position that would think that exact same totally, thing. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm sure it's a very common. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, let's just pause for station ID. You're listening to BHIVLP New Orleans 1.2.3. We got Ben Burgess. We're talking about Christopher Hitchens. He has a brand new book out on this uh, character. Um, what he got right, what he got, how he went wrong and why he still matters. Christopher Hitchens by Ben Burgess. Um, yeah. But anyway, I'm sorry, you were making a point. Yeah, yeah. I should say, by the way, that, that the second part of that uh, subtitle, uh, you know, there's a reason it's what he got right and how he went wrong, because okay. and this and, and this is something that like some, um, you know, like like one of the sort of um, groups of people who dislike the book or like the sort of unreconstructed, like late, late, late Hitchens fans who are like, oh, you're just like assuming that like the Iraq war was bad. It's like, yeah, no, I am, right? Like I'm I'm not I'm not really that interested in like, you know, I I, I mean I kind of spent a couple pages on it, but like I kind of think that if if in 2022 you need to be like convinced that the we, Iraq ain't litiga- we ain't litigating this. <laughs> like we're not doing that. <laughs> like you're probably beyond hope, you know, like uh, you know, so uh you know, so I I think the how was much more interesting than what he got wrong, but okay. uh, but so uh, how, how did he go wrong? Yeah, yeah. So I was just gonna say, by the way, on the atheism yeah. thing that he, oh, you know, so the story he tells is is he was in, um, he had like a, was it like his like Bible teacher and nature teacher? You know, were the same like it was the same person who was supposed to teach those two things, and they were like out in the field or something, and she said, and like you know, he was like a a kid. And, you know, she said something about how, oh, isn't it wonderful that God created this, you know, nature, you know, all being like green because he knew this was like the color that was most pleasing to our eyes. And he he claims that like, even as a kid, like, you know, he never heard of Darwin or anything like that. Right. But like something kind of snapped. He was like, wait a second, that's got to be the other way around. Right. Like, the, the, uh, the, like this is, you know, like, like that it, it must be that like our eyes are attuned to like appreciate that color because you know like anyway uh but yeah so how did so so what do i think happened right so so i think that the one reason one other reason i don't find the islamophobia explanation fully convincing right even though certainly we talked about the essentialism issue and certainly i think at the very least you could say he wildly overestimated the realistic threat that like al-qaeda style terrorism could pose to Western societies. Not exactly a unique Christopher Hitchens problem in the two thousands, no. you know. But that was literally like every single like person that you talked to said we're under attack, you know, at all times. We must like 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 I, I think people do forget the tenor. Of, like I, I mean, I was in high school when when nine eleven happened, and like 
the years that followed after that, I'd never, you know, I'd never thought I would see such normal people like so bloodthirsty. And the US media all like like literally just like fanning those flames as hard as they possibly could. And like not to be like a like media like like whatever or whatever, you know, like uh. like but 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 that's just like that is literally what the feeling was, what the sense of that period of time was. Again, not to excuse anything. However, like that's that is not a unique. Uh, that is a not a novelty position. For, no, no, that was that. That was just kind of the the air in the in the in the two thousands. Um, and yeah, and, and by the way, I mean, like, I don't want to get too too deep off into this digression, but like, I I recently saw there was like a debate last year uh, between uh, Bill Crystal, who's Spig Neocon, and uh, uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, Scott Horton, who's like kind of a weird libertarian, but is definitely the good guy in this debate, and uh, and one of the the points that I love that Horton made is that like. Uh, Crystal, who like a lot of a lot of people like him, sort of uh, you know became like kind of a never Trump kind of Republican, you know, and and sort of drifted into like MSNBC land. And you know, Horton points out, it's like, look, I mean, you wouldn't have Trump if not for all this, right? I mean, like you guys spent the two thousands fanning these flames and like and, and and like promoting like every like just just the most like depraved shit imaginable on like right wing talk radio like you know like whip people up into this like you know nationalistic frenzy you know when when you thought it was going to like promote your political projects and like now you don't like what you created right you know like this is uh but you know like let's not forget that you you know you guys did this real mary shelley's flank real mary shelley's frankenstein type situation right <laughs> yeah yeah totally so uh so yeah so again like if you want to call that like sort of exaggerating what was a um you know exaggerating al-qaeda style terrorism into this kind of like existential threat really was if you call that islamophobia certainly won't fight you on it but i think that one reason i don't think that uh islamophobia is is a main determinant of what happened with hitchens and i think also something that starts to explain what did happen is that the first war where he really starts to warm up to the idea that the u.s military could be a force for good in the world is not actually one where the United States is bombing Muslims, it's the war in Bosnia in the 90s where the United States is actually intervening on behalf of Muslims against Serbian Orthodox Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then like the second one was like Kosovo, right? Same deal. Uh, so uh, so I, I think what did happen, I, I think there are basically two strands that you have to connect there. Uh, and, and, and one of them is, uh, and one of them is like the sort of, foreign policy strand and the other one is the socialism strand. So I think, I think like the foreign policy strand, I think that starting in the nineties, right. Even though most of the stuff that he was producing in the nineties, right. Certainly the books that he was writing in the nineties, you know, we're, we're still, you know, very left wing, you know, like the ones we talked about earlier, they're still very, um, you know, his like predominant attitude towards like, you know, the American role in the world was, was, was still, was still very critical. Uh, like in, you know, he wrote this book and, uh, came out in 1996 called blood class and empire. Uh, 
uh, where he talks about how, or I don't know, I don't remember if he uses this line in the book itself, but he certainly says this in interviews about it, that um, like he, you know, he's talking about the, you know, Anglo-American relationship there. And he says, you know, he hates what Anglophile means in the U.S. and what pro-American means in Britain, right? That uh, if, you know, in the U.S., Anglophile means that you like the monarchy and country houses and masterpiece theater and all that shit. And, and in England, pro-American means, you know, what does he say? You know, one, thinking, you know, wanting our, our boys at, you know, at, at, at uh, MI5 to be the best friends with the lads at Langley. Uh, <laughs> And, and he says it would be so much healthier if being an Anglophile meant that you liked the NHS and being pro-American meant that you wanted the UK to copy the Freedom of Information Act and the separation of church and state. So uh, speech laws too in the UK. Right? Yeah, 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 totally. Uh, and so, so even though that was like the kind of main tone of like most of the stuff that he was writing when he wasn't writing about you know Yugoslavia in the nineties, uh, I, I think you get in the nineties, the beginning of one big part of this transition, which is that I think his perception of things, right? Like I think what he was most bothered by about American foreign policy, like in the seventies and the eighties uh, was that we were backing these like fascists in central America and, you know, and, and, and other places uh, like that. And so I think if like, if George W. Bush was was like fighting wars in the two thousands, uh, <laughs> yeah, against um, against like you know peasant revolutionaries like the Viet Cong, I don't think that Hitchens ever would have like you know talked himself into supporting that. But I think that his perception starting in the nineties was that in a post Cold War world, like things were really starting to change and and and. Um, and like the kind of old patterns didn't really apply. It seemed to him that like, you know, the the kinds of enemies that the United States uh, was was fighting weren't like, you know, the Viet Cong or the Sandinistas. You know, they they were like uh, these like very you know fascisty, death squatty you know kinds of forces in Serbia, or they were uh, this this like brutal, you know, right-wing dictatorship in Iraq or they were the Taliban, you know, and, and, and that that's, and that these are exactly the kinds of like the, in other words, exactly the kind of forces that the American empire used to, to back up, right. Were, were which, ones that, which, which by the way, like the uh, in that line of thinking becomes that, Oh, uh, that U S intervention or something can make that situation better. Right, that's, right, right, right. That's sort of the fault in that line of thinking, but the analysis totally. on the front end, like, like I don't like the Taliban, sure. like, like straight up. But I don't think there's anything that U.S. bombs could do to solve that problem. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. Like, that, like, like Vladimir Putin wants to like you know just annex Ukraine again, but like, what is the U.S. going to do about it? You know, like nuke them. You know? Yeah, no, exactly. Like, like that's, and that like really is the thing that I think, um, you know, I mean, I think is like really proved by like the last 20 years, which is, uh, that, I mean, it's like, you know, in some ways, uh, even though in some ways in terms of the global effects, like the Iraq war was way worse, you know, like, like in some ways, like just most dramatically mm-hmm. Afghanistan, right. Because as, as much as like, in some ways, the actual like regime that was being deposed like could not be more evil, right? You know, it was, it was awful. But 
Um, I think one thing that those 20 years of occupation in Afghanistan really showed is that forget the morality of it. I mean, the United States just does not have the capacity to remake that society in our image. You know, that that's, that's just not happening. You know, that we, that like, you know, 20 years of, of like fighting and violence and like pouring like ungodly amounts of money, you know, into, into that war. And, we couldn't like we couldn't create like a, a local client state that could like stay in power for five seconds after the United States left, right? You know, which which I think really shows it's it's not. I mean, obviously, I would like there to be social progress and revolution and all of that stuff in Afghanistan, but I, I I just don't think it could happen that way. I think it has to come from from inside that society, you know, or or else it's just not going to stick. Mm-hmm. Um, but. But yeah, so I think that's so okay. So I think that's the foreign policy strand, mm-hmm. and then but then I think the other strand is the socialism strand. So back uh, in the seventies, uh, he was um, I don't know if anybody remembers. Uh, actually, I think it no longer exists. But like the ISO in, in the U.S. Uh, is this uh, socialist group that um, existed until relatively recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a uh, he was a like back when he was at Oxford, he was a member of the, well, the original version of it, which was the, which was the British group, the international socialists. Uh, and, and these are, uh, you know, people like if we really wanted to get into the sort of like, um, you know, archeology span of like left sectarianism a little bit, this is like a little bit imprecise, but I think that's good enough for now. Right. We could just say Trotskyist. Uh, like, and leave it at that, you know, but, uh, um, but like these, their, um, you know, their analysis was that what existed in the Soviet Union uh, wasn't really this like alternative to capitalism. It was really just this sort of like mutant version of it where like the state was like kind of collectively played the role of like a, you know, capitalist corporation, but like workers didn't have any more power than they did in the West and uh, their slogan was, you know, neither Washington nor Moscow, but international socialism. And um, so, like, Young Hitchens was very involved, you know, in, in anti-Vietnam War protests, but, like, also in 1968, when there was these, uh, in France, there was, like, a general strike and, like, student uprising that, like, almost, like, brought down the de Gaulle government. And at the same time, there was the Prague Spring going on and the, you know, the in Eastern Europe, you know, where, where the, um, like a reformist, uh, communist government in Czechoslovakia, you know, was trying to create what they called socialism with the human face and was crushed by Soviet tanks. And these things kind of happening at the same time, sort of, you know, gave him the impression that there's this kind of global wave of like, um, of revolt that, you know, that could really lead to something better, you know, East and West, and then um, by the early seventies, he he's just decided that no, that it's it's not happening, right? You know that the, like by the mid seventies, certainly, right? You know that's like look, I've been devoting my life to this group, but like I I I think I think nineteen sixty eight wasn't really the beginning of something. It was it was at least the end of it for now, right? And um, which, which, by the way, by some definition, is when somebody might define the moment that they become old. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling that I'm feeling that myself right now so I'm just sort of like 
Yeah, totally. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I was, I mean, I, I, mean, I, look, I, I mean, look, Jeff, I, I was just, uh, you know, I've been watching, um, I've been watching uh, Community with, uh, with 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 Jennifer and like and and, and like I'm I, I'm feeling like full on old man nostalgia watching it. I was like, oh man, 2009. That was nice. Uh, that was. It seemed like a much simpler time, didn't it? <laughs> it did totally. But, uh, anyway, I'm sorry. I did not mean to interrupt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, I was gonna say. Uh, I I think that in so so. You know, he leaves, you know, he leaves the kind of world of like, you know, kind of tiny revolutionary socialist, you know, uh, organizations by by the mid 70s. Uh, but in some ways, you know, even though I think for most of his career, he's like a much more moderate kind of socialist. Um, he, you know, he like he rejoins the Labor Party after that. And, you know, and and, um, and he doesn't. Um, you know, like like when he, you know, like when he explains socialism to Americans, which he which he does a lot, right? Because because like this is an era where it's like a, a weird novelty, you know, that like nobody's a socialist, you know, in America, in like the eighties, you know, like like that's a, you know, like uh, one could argue that nobody's a socialist in America either. So <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, sure, but I mean, I I I think like nobody calls themselves that, you know, yeah. in the uh, in the eighties. Uh, or you know, no, that was success win Reaganism, baby. Let's go, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Like, so they're like, even in like the 90s, you know, there are these um clips. Like, I mean, part of why part of how like what sparked my interest in writing about him is that like on TNBS would do these, um, you know, watch these like Hitchens like throwback clips, you know, a few times, you know, towards the end of of uh TNBS existing, and you know, some of them it's it's hilarious, right? Because like he'll be on C SPAN. And like some woman will call in and be like, I don't like this Hitchens. You know, he seems, he seems like too much of a liberal and, you know, Hitchens will be like, oh, madame, you have insulted me more than you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. But, so that's become like, like in, like amongst like the, you know, what left the Amer- America has people who's like self-defined as socialists. Like they picked up that line almost exactly. Oh yeah. 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 No, like, to- totally. Right. It was, it was definitely ahead of his time on that. But, uh, <laughs> But yeah, like, uh, but in some ways, right? Like, even going like you know throughout the eighties and and even in the nineties, like he he's still talking like you know he he's still he's still talking like a pretty radical socialist in some ways, right? Like I think by then, I don't know how much he thought about these kinds of strategic questions. Probably not much, right? Because I th- I think that's not really where he lived in terms of what he was writing and thinking about. But I think to the limited extent that it did, I mean, I think he he. He, I think he probably believed in a sort of more gradual social democratic road to socialism. But mm-hmm. like there's, there's even like, as far as what the horizon of that is, I think that, you know, I don't like his views didn't seem to change that much. Right. Like there's this debate that he did in 1997. It's a really weird debate. It's uh, him and Jesse Jackson are debating two guys from the national review about the death penalty. And um, Ed Koch is the moderator. Uh, but uh wild motley crew <laughs> i know right uh, <laughs> but like in his opening statement of that debate he he he's you know sort of casually says you know the ultimate goal of my politics is a classless society uh he he quotes Ingalls on like how you know without class divisions you know they you know instead of like a repressive state we just have a neutral you know administration of things uh and 
And so, and you know, certainly like in, in 1986, this is also on YouTube. You can watch him and John Judas, who is still alive, but is certainly not a socialist anymore, um, debating. His name's uh, Judas, so I mean. <laughs> Fair enough. With an ost. Uh, yeah, so, uh, so yeah, like, and, and they're and they're debate and like they're debating uh, these two like Ayn Rand Institute people on capitalism and socialism, and and the sort of opening statement that Hitchens gives in that, in many ways, is like very like kind of orthodox Marxist, and so, and, and I should also say that even later. Right, like, 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 when in some ways he substantially shifted to the right, mm-hmm. he claims, and you know, I mean, I think he's sincere. I just think he was confused. You know, he claims to have still believed in the Marxist theory of of history. Right, like he he says he'll say things like, the last years, you know, he'll sort of half jokingly describe himself as a very conservative Marxist, by which I think he means like a uh, somebody who. Uh, doesn't really identify with socialism as an ongoing political project, but you know, still thinks that like, you know, historical materialism is right. Uh, and but nevertheless, in by two thousand one, like pre nine eleven, um, you know, he wrote this book. Presumably, you know, he would have been putting the finishing touches on in two thousand sometime, but whatever. It was published in two thousand. It was published in like October 2001 uh, called Letters to a Young Contrarian, mm-hmm. where he sort of says, um, like he, he writes with a lot of affection about socialist tradition, but he kind of says, look, it's it's not happening, right? Like 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 at this stage of history, it's it's done, it's off the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you know, like which is uh, is that like so when I when I think about this, this is like 2000, uh, you said 2000, uh, 2001. Yeah. Is this like during the sort of prevailing when the prevailing idea was sort of an end of history sort of thing, like the Fukuyama? Totally. Thing? So, like that—that's that's definitely at least that, that seems to like that would be a considerable influence on that line of thinking. I guess you could say. Oh yeah, no question. I, I, I think it's def. I think it's definitely a big influence on it. Like I think, I mean, I think one of the uh, the most like kind of honest introspective things he says about it much later. Is is he says looking back on it, you know, he thinks there's like probably, you know, at some point in the years leading up to that, like he, you know, I, I think he kind of acknowledges that in retrospect he'd sort of gradually stopped taking it seriously as a historical possibility, uh, but like he he was kind of too stubborn to say that, right? Like 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 he actually says. You know, every time he went on C-SPAN, Brian Lamb would ask him in this kind of like condescending way, "Oh, are you still, are you still a socialist?" You know, and uh, and like he and, and he he said he you know basically he didn't want he didn't want Brian Lamb to lose to win. You know, so you know you don't want to give it up necessarily not necessarily because he didn't stop believing, but because he didn't want to like it's, it's kind of like the brother thing. Like you don't wanna, yeah. <laughs> you don't want to take the L. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so so I think he. Yeah, so I think in that kind of end of history atmosphere of the 90s, and, you know, of course there were, you know, old radicals, your Noam Chomsky's and, you know, Alexander Coburn's or whatever who, who kind of stayed strong. But, like, also I will say that I think that – I think probably one difference is that Hitchens was in a much more, like, was swimming in much more mainstream waters where I think it was probably harder to kind of, like, resist that sort of – 
like just sort of sub-rational collective impression that like this is this is over it's done right you know and um which which by the way is different than selling out for the money type sort of situation too like yeah yeah yep yeah i think it's a lot different i i I think that this is i think that this is just like um yeah i mean because i I think what we're talking about now is is not like you know what he claimed to believe it's like what he actually believed like if anything probably the insincere thing by his own admission is like claiming to be a socialist as long as he did. Right. You know, that like, you know, that he's, you know, that he's, he just, you know, he just doesn't, you know, doesn't want Brian Lamb to win. Uh, so, um, <laughs> the, which is uh, awesome. By the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I respect that. Yeah, yeah totally. Uh, but, uh, but I think that like, once you kind of put together these two threads, I think you can start to see a little bit more of what happened, which I think is pretty much this, that, like, you know, this this is a guy who spends a lot of his, his life as this kind of globetrotting journalist, you know, he goes to places like Iraq, uh, and you know, various countries living under repressive dictatorships. In fact, in fact, a really important element, I think, of his progression is that after the you know, he was opposed to the first Gulf War, but like after the Gulf War, he spent some time in like uh Iraqi Kurdistan and uh and um and he's is you know influenced by you know kurdish leaders who for obvious reasons you know were pro-intervention and um and as like uh uh gene bajalan uh who's a, a kurdish uh, well you know kurdish british uh academic in america uh however you say that you know the uh, it's, uh he's, he's got a bunch of uh he's got a box a bunch of boxes ticked in a lot yeah, of yeah, yeah exactly uh so um a lot yeah. of pers- not, not, not to minimize it by the way a lot of perspectives that he could see things from it. Yeah, yeah yeah sure sure, sure. to make right. it to make it a little bit less sort of dismissive like you think yeah no but but he's a thinker and a great and a luminary in a lot of ways yeah, no, for sure. I mean, Gene's great, but yeah, but it's, it's somebody from like a Kurdish background in in Britain, yeah. right? you know. He has, um, and and who also actually lived in Iraq for a while. Uh, he, uh, you know, so like a point that Gene made to me when we were talking about this is that like some of these like kind of like um, leaders in this Kurdish enclave in northern Iraq were people who had been seventies radicals themselves, and they could kind of speak to Hitchens in his own language. Yeah. Um, and and so I think that was definitely part of it. But I, I, I think like zooming out a little bit, like, you know, to the bigger picture, I think that in his kind of career as this globetrotting journalist, he had spent all this time, um, you know, with, you know, like, you know, he would get to know dissidents and, you know, various you know authoritarian countries or whatever. And and even presumably for for most of his career on some level you know he's still holding you know holding on to the assumption that at some point in the future you know all of these regimes were going to be you know swept away by like a you know future wave of you know socialist revolutions right i mean like that you know i'm sure that's what he thought at least originally and uh and so i think when he's given up on that you know he's still you know, he still wants at least like democratic revolutions to happen in these places, you know, at the, at the very least. Uh, and, and so far I can like sympathize with the whole chain of reasoning, but I think where it goes off a cliff is at thinking that like, you know, the 82nd airborne, you know, can, can yeah. be like the vehicle for like spreading democratic revolution. These societies just fucking insane. I mean, that, that, that doesn't make any sense, but I think that it's something that you can convince yourself of if you're giving up hope in anything else. 
and like you know you want to maintain some kind of hope for something and you know you end up like kind of you know convincing yourself of something that doesn't really make sense i think that this is like this is like kind of the same way like um you know, we're talking about this in the book, like, you know, like there are lots of people who, who I admire very much who like in like the thirties and forties, you know, convince themselves that like, um, you know, like, like talk themselves into, you know, being apologists for Stalin, you know, not because they were terrible people, but, uh, but just because like that seemed like the sort of, um, the sort of beacon of hope, you know, for, for, for a different world that existed then. Literally what else is there? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally. Right. Like, uh, so I, I think, I think that's what, you know, I, I think that's what happened politically. And, and I should say, so like I said, there, you know, there are kind of three reasons that I wrote it. And so like one of them is just sort of like, you know, is to sort of like introduce, reintroduce people to that earlier body of work. Another one is try to like explore, the way that might be more plausible and convincing than like other accounts that I've seen from the left, like what exactly happened to the guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, like when the book came out last month, you know, that's the uh, 10 year anniversary of his death. So I figured yeah. this is like a time when people might be interested and also when maybe enough time has passed for like the sort of initial sting of, of that heel turn to have like faded enough that we could like look at it a little bit more dispassionately. Right. And, um, and then the third thing is like really the most self-indulgent one, which is just like, you know, he's somebody I always found really compelling and I, and I wanted to kind of like sort of work out some of those mixed feelings and like think and, and like, you know, and like think a little bit more about like what he was right and wrong about. And, and like, cause, cause he's somebody like way the hell back, you know, in like, you know, the late nineties, right. You know, like, like I can, you know, I can remember reading, you know, Hitchens is, you know, some of his like minority report columns in the nation. And I always thought he was a really interested writer. Mm-hmm. And like in the late two thousands, um, you know, I was never exactly a new atheist, but like I, I saw, um, but like, I remember, you know, like seeing some of that stuff on, on YouTube and thinking it was really good. And, and, and I think that um, I, I think even now, right whatever criticisms I have of like certain aspects of, of his, you know, his kind of career as a, as an atheist or, or certainly of, of his, of, of some of his friends from that period who have not exactly distinguished themselves in the years since. Uh, I, I think that um, I, I mean, you know, this is not a very cool thing to admit, you know, as a, as a leftist in 2022, but I kind of do still find the issue interesting, and I um, the issue of atheism, you mean? Yeah, yeah, and 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 I and I I do find some of the kind of like humanistic moral critique of of uh, of Christianity that he was making uh, in those years, like I that there are aspects of it that you know I still find pretty compelling, honestly. Mm-hmm. You know that like that there's there's a you know, so, some of that stuff still strikes a chord with me, you know? So, so, I mean, like, that's, I think for all those, you know, which like, I don't know, like it, it sort of seems like a lot of people now, like on the left have this kind of like too school, too cool for school attitude about the whole thing. Like, it's like, Oh yeah, no, that's, that's like, that's like boring. Right. Like who cares about that? Right. You know, like, like, you know, whether there's a God or whether you stop existing when you die or like what the foundations of morality are, you know, that's, that's all, you know, whatever. Doesn't matter. Doesn't you know? Matter. You know, yeah, these are all 
these are all lame preoccupations, you know, but like, yeah. you know, I, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's just them a philosophy nerd, but also like, I have to say, I mean, and, and look, I, I'll also admit, you know, I, I said earlier, this is kind of the self-indulgent part, you know, because like probably more than any other book that I've ever written, like this is like, this is sort of me kind of like working out some of my own preoccupations, you know, but like, I, I think, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I wrote it at a time when uh, between the global pandemic and uh, Michael dying and, uh, you know, some of the people I know have died, like, I mean, kind of human mortality has been like on my mind a lot in the last, you know, the last, you know, year and a half or so. And, uh, and, and so maybe like that makes revisiting some of these debates, like kind of especially, like vivid and interesting to me like 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 i actually that that does seem like a pretty like emotionally gripping thing to me like that that whole sort of like you know is that it you know does anything happen to you when you die all that stuff yeah i think there's a distinction to be made specifically um when it comes to like the questions of like atheism and things like that and Uh. and like distinguishing between them as like political questions or like stuff you're like interesting interested in and like actually like want to know the answer for and like uh-huh. those two things are not completely like the venn diagram is not totally two separate circles but like i don't know like the the fact that you want to have a discussion or you're interested in the topic or the the subject of like atheism going forward like that's part and and i think it's like i, I think it's like not in fashion to sort of discuss these things in the same way because there was such a weird like awards like atheism equals virtue or something like that or atheism equals like like sober thinking or something like that and like like that is what reason has been sort of like all wrapped up in which like i don't think you would even argue that that's the case necessarily but like, like also that doesn't necessarily mean that when you come back which is, I think, where we're at now, and it's sort of like a backlash and like looking at a lot of these like cringe people like Sargon or Vakad from the internet or whatever, like on YouTube. Um, like you don't want to uh, like, like like go back and just say uh, like, oh, well, atheism or whatever is the absence of reason because we've come we've come so far from that as well. Like these are still like interesting questions. The sort of like super like like the 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 sort of like phenomenological sort of things right and they're interesting to talk about whether or like whether or not they're connected to politics i guess you could say no i think that's exactly right like i i think i think that um i think part of what happened is that there was this moment in the late 2000s kind of going into the early 2010s uh like you know Which arguably very... hitchens was a part of you oh know? totally totally and, yeah and, and, and and Richard Dawkins and Sam Harris and a bunch of people like a bunch of just random like neckbeards on the internet, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Like, um, yeah, and like Hitchens was a was a huge part of this, and like in some ways, in fact, part of what makes him interesting to be on this topic is that he, I think, I think he was both kind of the um, the smartest and most compelling of yeah. those guys. Right, but, he would have had a lot of contempt for some of these. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I imagine. Yeah, no, I think so. But like, you know, so so like he was definitely like, you know, out of those guys you just listed. I mean, he was definitely the best one. But also, like, 
I also there's no denying that I mean he he had like you know like you know not not his worst legacy right but like but like a, also not a good one right you know that he right. did um, that he did bear a lot of responsibility for like what was wrong you know with yeah. with the with that sort of version of like a, an atheist you know movement and stylistically and, by the way too like the, uh, the fact that he would just like epically owned <laughs> like a debate on national television or whatever like became like a lot of internet culture that exists now too yeah yeah totally i i mean actually i think those like um you know hitch slap videos i mean in some ways those were like the the primordial like um you know like like the the like, eviscerates yeah 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 totally and it's like i mean it's, and it's funny right because it's like man in 2022 um like every youtube video is like that right like that's oh, yeah. uh um i mean i always kind of you know whatever i mean like it, it's it's you have to um you know like like if you you know like if you want to swim in that space you have to make some awkward compromises with that like i i always i always tell people like our um at you know gta our um uh you know youtube manager kelly that like um you know those those uh you know those like you know whatever you know the uh, you know Ben Burgess, Nana Kasperi, and you know, destroy, you know, whatever the fuck. Like, you know, that's like, yeah, I would never be able to bring myself to to write those titles. That's why I, what I pay Kelly for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not creative enough to do that. Like, like that's why our YouTube game sucks so bad because like I'm the person that's making the thumbnails and like titling the videos or whatever. And I'm just sort of like, Jeff talks to Ben Burgess about these things, and that's just like that's just I don't know I don't I don't have the brain for that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, mean, I also just feel a little gross about it because it's yeah, because like, yeah. it's like it's like I kind of hate what I I kind of hate that that's where the culture is at, but like also like what are you gonna do? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and, and, and you know, you gotta eat, and also you want to like presumably you know, I mean, if you're doing this, you have something to say, and you want people to hear it, right? So you, right. you sort of there's an extent to which you kind of have to, uh, you know, preach to the Gentiles in their own tongue, yeah. uh, you know, so it's, it's, it's tricky. Uh, but yeah, he, he is definitely like, yeah, he was like one of the first, I mean, he was like really maybe, maybe the first like big, like YouTube debate star, godfather right? Of it. He's a godfather of it. Yeah, 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 totally. Right. I mean, like that, like, and, and especially cause it's like almost all of his, um, you know, almost all of his debates were like, you know, in person, uh, but, um, but like, but like what really like sort of blew up the phenomenon, you know, was everybody watching it on YouTube and, you know, and, and, you know, sort of putting together the compilations and, you know, all of <laughs> the debate bros are his fault. Like, let's put that on him. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. So exactly. Uh, so, um, so yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. Right. And I, and I think part of, so, so I think part of why, there was that kind of space for, for, um, for like why, you know, why the sort of debate bros are sort of originally coalescing around, uh, somebody like Christopher Hitchens, uh, is that he's, I think there was this moment in the late two thousands, then going into the early 2010s when it kind of like the American culture war, was much more directly and obviously about religion than it is now. Yeah. Like, um, like the, the American right was just totally identified with like 
this particular kind of like, you know, really evangelical Protestantism kind of like allied to right-wing Catholics, right? That was the, that was the, you know, like there was, um, and like at the top levels, just evangelical Protestantism, but like they, they, they knew, you know, like they knew where to, uh, it, was, it was the kind of a situation where Rick Santorum could become a senator and a presidential candidate. Yeah, yeah, totally right. That's that, like, yeah, right. I mean, Rick Santorum is is very uh, rep- embarrassment to Catholics, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm throwing it out there. Yeah, but I mean, like, you know, I mean, I know, um, but like, he's he's like a representative of a very recognizable kind oh, yeah. of Catholic right winger from that, you know, like. Like even like the sweater vest and all that stuff, like that's the that's like a that's a type, you know. But yeah. it's like a waspy, almost like a. <laughs> it it really weird sounds weird because it's like a like a like a like a New England Protestant Catholic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. like the contradiction in terms, but it's like a like a there's a cohesion in aesthetics, if you know what I mean. Yeah, for sure, right? Like, and, and there was and there was like I don't know. I mean, I remember like in two thousand and four, um, there'd be. Um, you know, like Catholic churches in uh, in my home state of Michigan, who'd who'd have like they'd have like at like for people leaving the church, you know, there'd be like a little table where you could sign the uh, the the petition to get the redundant anti-gay marriage thing onto the ballot, to, you know, which was which was like you know the the whole point of that was just to turn out, you know, like it wasn't like gay marriage was about to be legal in Michigan if they hadn't done that, right? I mean, the the, the point was. You know, the point was to turn out, you know, voters to to reelect Bush and Shady in, in two thousand and four. Right. So, so there was there was doubt. Yeah. Yes, there was yeah, definitely their machine. That was their machine. Yeah. It still yeah. is in a lot of ways, and still really is. No, I think it. I think it still is, but like it's it's a weird. Like I said, it's not as direct and obvious now. Like 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 even though uh, the evangelicals are still the. Um, definitely the most reliable kind of electoral shock troops, you know, for the Republican party. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not like kind of front and center visible the way they used to be. Like yeah, uh, small business owners have definitely like taken up a lot yeah. of our position. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Like in, um, and like, and again, the culture war has just changed in some like really bizarre ways. Like the, the fact that like, all of those guys, you know, like all of these kind of like intense moral majority types, like lost their shit over Monica Lewinsky, but like, you know, but like Donald Trump could, you know, could like have like there could be like a paper trail of like of of hush money, you know, that he paid to a porn star, you know, and it's like yeah, whatever, you know, it's like, you know, it's next subject, right? Move on. Uh, and, Starting to think that they don't actually care about these kinds of things, but <laughs> yeah, well, there's there, there is definitely that, but like also, I don't know. Sometimes I get the impression that like Donald Trump could like do a speech in front of an upside down cross where he like splash splash blood on it during the speech, and as long as he owned the libs in the right. speech, you know, like everybody would be yeah. fine with it. You know, like yeah. uh, it's it's got it. I mean, I've watched enough Trump rallies. I could see him like doing that if, like, he thought it would get him like the slightest bit. Like, it's, it's actually kind of incredible. Like, if you ever watch, like, I don't know if you ever like like sit through like if you have to uh, just, like, to like sit through like a Trump rally. He literally just kind of like comes out and says like whatever the hell he wants to say just because he wants the hogs to cheer. It's awesome. It's 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 great. No, it, yeah, I know. It's, it's like. Awesome. It's, yeah, just the fact that that guy 
you know, just that like never, like just the rambling stream of consciousness. Like it's like some like netherworld between like stand up comedy and, and I don't even know what, right. You know, but like, it's, it's a, like, like the Trump, like the Trump rally speech is almost like a, like a form of writing that's, I mean, not the name of it's written down, but it's like, it's, it's like, it's, it's its own form, you know, like that's, it's, 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 it's it is literally politics as a vibe. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, exactly. <laughs> like, so it's like, whatever. I mean, you could be talking about anything, you know, it's like, yeah. it's like, you know, it's like, oh yeah, the, the toilets, you know, you have to flush them more, you know, than, yeah. than you used to. Has everybody ever noticed that, you know, and they <laughs> like, and, uh, and, and yeah, no, I remember, you know, I remember like, you know, going to this Vanity Fair party in 1996. It was very nice, but you know, they have to, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, um, so, so, the book is um, Christopher Hitchens, What He Got Right, How He Went Wrong, and Why He Still Matters by Ben Burgess. Thank you so much for once again enduring all of my bullshit on the radio. It's always great to talk to you, Ben. Yes. Uh, we got to hang out, we gotta hang out uh, when you come down here. Yeah, for sure. And uh, we'll have a great time. But uh, thank you so much, dude. Like, seriously, as always, uh, we'll keep in touch. Yeah. Thanks, brother. All right, we're going to go ahead and log off.